Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Decision Hour. I'm your host, Adam Bird. This show is about philanthropy, entrepreneurship, positive thinking, and humanity. A show that'll help you make a decision when that hour is upon you. Our guests share some of their experience, expertise, stories during their decision hour. You get to hear what they're doing today and how it might help you here in the near future. My guest today is the same. He's doing some great things in the community, and I'm going to bring him on here in just a few moments. But first, as always... I want to give a huge thanks to Heroes Media Group and all the great shows and sponsors of the network. To learn more about Heroes Media Group or how you can become part of the HMG family, simply go to www.heroesmediagroup.com. Now, as far as my guest today, let's get started. This gentleman here, uh, I met him at a conference recently out in uh, San Francisco and on the Bay Area. And uh, like I said, doing doing some great things in the in the community is, is more of an understatement uh, of what this man is uh, in his vision. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring on uh, the creator of of uh, what is called the Temple Massager, Mr. Joe Mesh. Joe, how are you? Hey, Adam, I'm great. Thank you very much. And, uh, what a pleasant introduction. I appreciate that. Hey, great to have you on, buddy. Uh, you know, I've been looking forward to this. I know we've been talking offline, uh, off and on and through, uh, through email. So why don't you, let's just jump right into it. Um, one of the things I ask all of my guests is why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you? Sure. Um, well, you know, this all kind of really came out of my military service. And, um, it was quite a juggernaut journey, um, from the end of my army career, uh, going through, you know, a transition and not so much jumping into a real world environment as in just trying to be employed and prosper. It was a transference all the way over to the other side of insecurity and the unknown of, of trying to create something. And so, uh, you know, during the uh, end of my career, I was grateful to have served and, and I appreciate your service. And, and that goes out to everybody who serves and have served. I have a great respect and admiration for people that serve in our military. Uh, probably more so now than ever in my life, quite frankly. Um, so I was a combat engineer, and um, that was 13 years of adapt, improvise, and overcome, and do more with less mentality, which is probably standard operating procedure for anybody in the military. And uh, I was facing some stress issues, and um, one of them was a hidden injury that I had, but the immediate thing was I was dealing with clinching in my jaws and, and migraine headaches. And uh, so it was always just kind of a problem, you know, and through transitioning out of the military and going into the civilian world, it, it was, you know, get a job, find work. And I um, always had this problem and was, you know, I guess I tapped back into being a good combat engineer and solving a problem. And I basically was rubbing my side of my head and I thought, God, it'd be great if there's some kind of a forked stick of some kind I could use as a tool. 
And so, you know, there was no such thing as a temple massager. And there was, uh, like we've talked about, there were, there were actually three moments that were critical junctures where you had to make a decision. And uh, was not easy because it always involved major lifestyle uh, change or inconvenience or upsetting, you know. Now, Joe, are you and talking so, about what you're talking about right now when, you talk, when you're talking about these three different changes? Are you talking about changes in, 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 in the idea? Are you at a point right now uh, where, where the temple massager is, is, is an idea of yours that, that's starting to, to come to fruition? Are you thinking about bringing it into fruition? It's in fruition right now. The temple massager exists, and um, I created it. And it's, it's actually available. And uh, if anybody wants to look at the website, it's www.templemassager.com. Templemassager.com. Um, so the transition, the, the periods of decision is what I'm talking about. There's three of them. Okay. And the initial one was when I started looking around um, many years ago. Uh, to see if there was a temple massager, and there was not one. And that's when I kind of had the flash of, wow, is this, did I stumble upon something that's never been done before? And so you have to go through a lot of research and seek out if this device has been created or not. And so the moment came when I searched and searched, and I actually consulted a patent attorney. And if anybody's ever going to think about doing this, if, if anybody has an idea, a creation, an innovation, um, and you, you feel that entrepreneurship uh, coursing through your blood a little bit. It's very exciting. Uh, but as Edison said, it's 90% uh, inspiration and, or, uh, or sorry, 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration. <laughs> Definitely a lot of hard work. Yes. So the moment of decision for me was when a patent attorney gave me a report and said, Joe, it looks like you have a truly novel idea, and I recommend you pursue it. So in legal terms, that means it has not been created before. In other words, we cannot find an existing patent that encompasses your designs, artwork, and purpose. So at that moment, I had to decide if I want to take my meager life savings and commit to prototyping building an initial set of molds and I committed and I did it. And, um, it's kind of a blind understanding you have with you and yourself alone, whether or not you're going to make that decision. And, you know, it, it, I don't come from money, number one. Right. So, you know, taking your life savings, which may or may not be much that you had to work for, man, that's a, that's a leap brother. <laughs> That's a big leap. And so, you know, that threw me back into, I have got to research the heck out of this beyond, you know, a shadow of a doubt. I got to make sure I'm doing the right thing. And so that was back in 2003, 2000. Five-ish was that period of me trying to figure that out. Well, Joe, let me let me ask you something. So, let me let me ask you something real quick. 
because I want to be clear on this. So when when somebody has a, I want to go back to what you said about going to talk to the patent attorney. Did you have this idea? I'm assuming at that time, for those that do not know, that might be thinking about doing something like that. They have the drawings and everything. I'm assuming you had all drawings and, and, and sketches of, of your idea drawn up prior to that meeting, correct? Yes. Yeah, I, I actually went through the task of going down to a local plastic supply place and buying a couple of sheets of plastic. And then I just traced out what I envisioned in my, my thoughts uh, the, the general shape and the sheet plastic. And I, I went down and got a Sawzall and I delicately cut the sheet plastic out and cobbled together some plastic. And I mean, I even went through melting things in my oven to bend it and shape it how I wanted it. You know, that always involves a couple of errors. So your house stinks and your, your oven's a little bit of a mess. So real core rudimentary stuff of, of trying to create that first prototype. So yeah, I, I took my sketches and a crude prototype and forwarded it to an attorney, a patent attorney. And, and speaking of educating people, I will tell you this without a doubt. There's many attorneys out there in the world. And I would say to anybody that wants to exercise an innovation and try to chase it down, do not ever work with an attorney that is not a patent attorney because a lot of attorneys I've talked to, maybe they do some other type of law. Well, if it's not patent law, then you know you don't need to pay them to learn because people want to get paid, right? So you really need to find a guy, a patent attorney gal, that that is their specialty. That is what they do. Do not waste your time with an attorney that does real estate or divorces or something else. Just because they're an attorney doesn't mean that they're a patent attorney. Right. You're not going to get your money's worth. They can steer you in the wrong direction. Even though an attorney, they don't know the ins and outs like a patent attorney knows. Right. It's very difficult. 75% of all patents fail. 75% of all wow. patent applications fail. Really? So, you know, when I say things like you got to research and you got to be committed and you got to believe, and your belief does not come to you unless you have researched the heck out of this. And I mean, go to the stores, go to the retailers, look in catalogs, search online. You got to search every possible source. Like, don't just pigeonhole yourself and look online. You really need to go and look in stores and, and see, seek, uh, try to find your, your idea or any derivation thereof in every possible format, location, retail location you can imagine. Because the fact that you're, you're taking on a challenge that has a 75% failure rate. Okay. So most people are going to look at those odds and maybe steer away. They're not real enticing. So, you know, that's part of that calculus that you have to go through to determine if you're going to make this decision, if this is going to happen or not. The deck is stacked against you right off the bat. You got to know that, you know, and, and I'll throw this back to, you know, like when I got out of the military after 13 years, I, I had it, man. I was, you know, like most people, you kind of get tired of doing the same thing after a while. And so whatever, I, I greatly appreciate my service that I did that. And I feel lucky because I'm actually an epilepsy survivor. And so I wouldn't even gone in the military if that hadn't 
um, rectified itself. I, it just went away. So I'm grateful that I was able to serve. So you get out of the military and you kind of like, I had enough of it. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm done. I kind of want to try new things in life. But man, I'll tell you, I turned around years later and reverted back to my military culture and it has served me well. Yeah. And I, I use that discipline. Um, I use that training. You know, I use every tiny resource I could ever remember during my time in the military to help me in this entrepreneur endeavor, this civilian endeavor. And the other thing about that is, you know, you could, I strongly encourage people to go to, um, you know, community-based business development centers, um, state resource business development centers, places where you see, hey, we'll we'll help you if you're an entrepreneur. You gotta, you gotta go to those people and see what they can offer you. That too is a calculated decision because sometimes people just fill jobs, and sometimes in these organizations, people have limited skill set. So it's really, really incumbent upon you, the entrepreneur, to know your stuff because you're going to have people misdirect you. I guarantee it. Nobody is ever going to understand your vision the way you envision it, right. the way you see your idea. So you, you have to seek help, but you have to filter the help. It's a very critical thing. You definitely need to seek help if you, if you don't have experience in doing this. And who does? I mean, how many people are entrepreneurs, right? Makes sense. So you have to seek this guidance to get these basic fundamental um, steps in place about how you go about seeking a patent, how to go about looking for um, a manufacturer or prototype uh, outlet. So you need to seek help, but you need to filter help. It's a very critical thing, I found out. So um, I made the decision after a lot of thought, a lot of research, and we actually filed a patent. And that patent took four years and four months to clear. Wow. Yeah. It was a f everything, <laughs> everything I did was a fight, you know, and you've got to bring that mentality to this. I just read a great uh, Entrepreneur Magazine article that, you know, sometimes when you get down in the hair, the, the minutia and you're splitting hairs and you're dealing with, you know, the everything down to the five cent cotter pin that, that makes the whole million dollar operation go. Um, sometimes it's good to step back and try to see the bigger picture. So, um, four years and four months later, um, we had a really hard time with the patent office because there were some misunderstandings. So even though I had a 25 year certified patent attorney working with me, there were still complications. Wow. So you can imagine if you get somebody that doesn't really know what they're doing, but yet they're an attorney and they snow you into thinking they're going to help you. Could set again, you back. remember, they just want to get paid. Now. Yeah, it could set you back even further or it may not happen uh, it at all. It could ruin your dream. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're a guy like me that doesn't come from money, one misstep from a high-priced attorney can just suck all your resources and you're done. And so – can't emphasize enough how strong your research has to be. 
you're basically identifying a minefield. And the more research you do, the more quickly you will walk through that minefield unscathed. And to use that military phrase applied to a civilian landscape, it's everything. Because you're going to walk through that quicker and you're not going to have your resources taken from you by a mistake that you made because somebody talked to you and do, oh, I know how to do a patent. Anybody out there has uh, people say that they can help you get a patent, ask them how many patents they filed. Straight up. Yeah. And if they haven't filed patents or have a patent, well, then you tell me, man. You're going you're gonna to hire the guy. I've done construction all my life in the military and civilian. You're going to hire a guy to build you a shed or a house that's never built one before, but yet he snowed <laughs> you on how great he is? No. You're probably not going to be inclined to that. So I work great with Legos, getting, people. I work great with Legos. You, so. <laughs> right. You see my Lego design. Yeah. <laughs> so... I went for it and we fought for the patent and um, I won't get into the, the, the graphs on that, but there were complications. So always remember the deck stacked against you. Patents have a 75% failure rate. So you have to, number one, do your research enough that you're confident that you're going to, I call them two mountains, two mountain ranges to bring a product to fruition. One of them is getting a patent. You have a 75% failure rate. To get a patent, what, why, if you are fortuitous, why, let me, I, what, what, why is that? Why is it? Why is the the, the patent uh, rate so high? Seventy five percent. So high. Why is because that? because things that's are done how wrong, rare. or is it because people aren't filling in? It's just not done correctly, or no? It's it's literally because it's that hard to think creatively. I mean, we're some, human beings. We create, man. You know, we use our frontal lobe. So you got to remember there's X amount of people in the country. How many of them are thinkers and trying to dawdle and create something and chase something? So in other words, most of what we've seen has already been done. The 75% failure rate of all patents is attributable, attributed mainly to the fact that somebody has already figured that out. Got it. You know, we're, we're... Hundreds of years old country, that many lifetimes of people have thought ahead of us, before us. And they too had creative uh, ideas right. and um, products and services, and, and it doesn't matter what it is. It's just that difficult because of the thought process that somebody else has already done. So if I came out with a new cup, well, guess what? Somebody made a new cup, you know, however long ago or or a new speaker, or it doesn't matter what it is, really. Right. Could be software, or a new product. You got to figure we're pretty smart creatures, so right. somebody's already thought of it. Right. So that's the main reason patents have a seventy-five percent failure rate. Original thought is difficult, and it is rare. And again, back to Edison: ten percent inspiration, ninety percent perspiration. So just because you come up with an idea doesn't mean it hasn't already been done. So you work hard and you get through your development process and you file a patent, you know, cross your fingers, you did your research, you got a pretty good chance here. Patent attorney or patent examiners could still find some crazy little reason of some, they call it prior art. So if somebody has submitted in the past, going back, you know, 1800s or further, um, that stuff's all on file. 
I had patents I had to look at that were from the 1800s, believe it or not. Really? And they call that a, they call that a prior art. Huh. And if it's obvious or not. So if your your idea truly is not novel or truly is not prior uh, new art, a patent a certified patent researcher at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office (USPTO) they're going to find it and they're going to bring it to your attention. And they're going to say, hey, you know, Bob Smith from uh, 1902 created who knows what. And they set prior art because of their design. And that product might not have anything to do at all with what you're doing. But the simple reason that somebody else has probably already thought of it, the simple reason that mechanics and physics are what they are, you know, we're limited in this world to what we can use to create things. Physics dictate materials. So there's only a certain amount of materials in this world. Metal, steel, liquid, polymers, polycar, I mean, just all this stuff, it's, it is limited. So you're stuck with new materials or existing materials, maybe the newer ones. You're kind of bound in by this pre-existing thought you're bound by physics that dictate, hey, your product's not going to perform under these circumstances or these regimes or these environments. So you've got all these forces at work against you that constitute that 75% while you're going to fail. Right. So if you are a badass and you take your time and after you go do drywall all day and lift, you know, two to 4,000 pounds of drywall all day, which is what I was doing up until last November still. And you're busting your ass to work and pay your bills and get ahead and peel off something to put into your time for your idea or, or build a little savings to pay the attorney or, or build a little savings to pay for a prototype. You do that work at night after your eight-hour day job. I don't come from money. I had to do it that way. So, you know, it sucked. Right. It, you you got to put the you're time. You're not going you gotta, to parties. Yeah. You got to put Girlfriend hates you. Sacrifice some time. Bitch. You gotta sac sacrifice You're, some of some of the times to get to where you're sacrificed, you sacrifice, man. Yeah. It is sacrifice. And and that is no joke. I've told people, I'll tell you right now, <laughs> you know, I don't mean to be discouraging, right? I'm always fully encouraging people, chase your dreams, yeah. man. Yeah. It is not going to be easy. But chase your dreams. And you chase your dreams by research. If you pipe dream and you're thinking from step five and you're thinking step 99, oh, when I get a, an investor, which is a whole nother conversation, or if, you know, I'm going to be this, I'm going to get this money, I'm going to live lavishly, I'm gonna, just stop it, man. Stop it. Go pick up the remote and hit the couch because you're not going to get, this is another job that you have to do after your day job. Now, if you got money, then fine. You get to go chase your dream all day long, fine. I didn't. I had to work a day job. And it was construction and drywall, all kinds of stuff like that. Right. So at night when you're done working, you got to sit down and go back to the other job after you catch dinner, maybe get a nap. And you work till 10 or 11 at night. And like I said, you know, you're, you don't see your friends. Your girlfriend hates you because you won't go out. And that's the sacrifice. Right. So, Joe, you so, you came up with – folks, if you're listening to – uh, this right now it means you're are, you're on the internet already. So open up another browser and go to templemassager.com and check this out. This is this is it, 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 you look at it and you're just like, man, that's really. And I, I, like I said, I got a chance to tr uh, to take a look at this. Was a couple weeks ago, 
and, and whatnot. And this thing is it's awesome and it's very. I, I think it's it, it's very relaxing. Um, I I love it. So Joe, kind of walk us through the process. You 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 have this idea. You go through the and get it patented. The, the the design. I mean, how how first off, how long have you been working on this idea? This has been, would you say, 10, 12, oh you know, more, 10 plus it's years? It's almost embarrassing. You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you the God's honest truth. It's it's really, I kind of feel embarrassed by it. But in 1997, I was a student at Sonoma State University, and I was in uh, 579th Engineer Battalion and uh, on guard duty, National Guard duty. And I was working full time. And I had this idea because, again, I was dealing with the facial muscles, tension, and, and just dealing with a lot of stress. So it was 1997. I remember I sat and I made a sketch. And I, I found this sketch about five months ago. And I penciled out what I thought. And I did a patent search, initial patent search. And I dated it. You know, being in the military, you record, you paper right. trail it, right? right. <laughs> yeah. So I, da- I literally time stamped it, dated it, made a note what I'm doing and what the results were. 1997. Wow. That is awesome. I couldn't, I just, I didn't have, life took me away. All kinds of different things can take you away. So, you know, it was an off and on again thought process for, you know, a couple years at least. And then, like I say, around 2003 or so, I started to actually go find, um, a, a company that will build prototypes for you. In other words, you can take them. So you got to take your idea and your sketches or your prototype, however crude it is, it doesn't matter. Just get the idea out of your head. I don't care if you make something out of wood, plastic, metal. Right. Just get a crude prototype. Just get it out of your head. Once you get it out of your head and you start dealing with the physics of the world I just mentioned, you're going to find limitations and changes have to be made because now it's in a tangible format that's in your hand. So you're going to find other things are going to pop up now that you got a real deal in your hand. It's not just an idea in your head or plan on a piece of paper. Right. You got to start in your head, move to the paper, and then move to prototyping is the formula. Okay. So um, So when did the prototyping? 97. 97 was the idea. You said about 2003. A couple years pass. I get a prototype. Um, start working on the patent Four four years, four months goes by, we get the patent and then I, and then, okay. So then the second commitment, it's decision time again. Okay. So, oh, so you get a patent. Okay, decision hour number two. Decision hour number two. Okay. All right. Go so on. you get a patent. So, so you get a patent and it looks great on your wall. <laughs> So the second mountain range you have to go through is you have to find a place in our world that your idea that you just got patented serves a purpose. So people will want to buy it. Therefore, you are doing what? You're bringing it to the market. Right. Who are your, who are your customers? Who are your customers? So you got to start thinking and shifting gears out of pure innovation, engineering, creating, designing, and you got to start shifting gears into who are your customers? Who's going to buy this? Well, is there enough of a market to justify you continuing? Because here's the, here's big decision number two. Are you going to pay for the mold? Are you going to commit the $15,000, $20,000 at a minimum 
to pay for a big giant mold that weighs 600 pounds that'll produce 1.5 million parts before it needs to be serviced? That was my next big decision. How confident are you? You got a patent, so you're kind of halfway through the lake. So now you're in the middle of the lake and you're like thinking to yourself, I got to bring this to the market now. Well, guess what? Bringing things to the market or new business has an 80% failure rate. failure rate to bring something to the market. So you, you clear the 75% failure rate. That means you're part of the 25% success rate. You got a patent, right? Right. So 25% minus 80% because 80% of new businesses fail within two to five years. They fail. It's just the way it is. It is that hard to be unique and different and approach things differently. So 25% minus 80% leaves you, my math's not that great on top of my head, but that leaves you about 5% chance of bringing something to the market. In other words, creating something that will benefit somebody such that they will pay you for it. So it gets uglier. You, you, I had a 5% chance of doing this. And that's, that's the same thing for everybody else in this, in this country, in this world. All right. So that's why, again, I say do your research. Don't waste your time on something unless you do the research. There is more research involved in this than anything else. So I, I committed. I, I coughed up the 15 grand to get a mold built. And, you know, that's shaky, man. You're, yeah. If you're if you're a guy like me with no money, you're lucky if you can scrape up ten to fifteen grand. Right. So you, you, you and that ain't easy. Ha- and so then and then you're going to go hand it to a guy to build a mold. Well, these are one time deals. And then hope that it's right. You can modify. You can modify a mold and, and make inserts and changes, but mold work and CFC machine, you know, milling. Man, that stuff is pricey. Yeah. You're, you're not going to get anything done for less than two grand. So this stuff, you know, man, it's 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 the big boys market you're right. in, you know. So so you got so, so that's 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 uh, decision number two, and now that walk, was decision number two. Now walk us through three and where you're at today. Okay, so I came out with the first product around 2006. I think the mold was built right around there. Okay. And then I'm I'm thinking, oh boy, I got this product, and, and I'm I'm gonna tell you, this is going to be a maturity process. It was for me. You think you're mature, you think you know this and you know that, man. I, I'm gonna tell you right now, if you're any kind of a guy like me, be prepared to grow through this. Right. So, I I come out and I got my product and I bought a, a few hundred of them. The the guy, the manufacturer. Uh, here in Northern California, you know, he ran off like a thousand units and then he was really nice to me and helping me and throwing me a bone and said, just buy a hundred or 200 at a time and I'll keep the rest on the shelf. So that was a big help. Some guys are really hard and they're like, no, if I make 5,000, you're buying 5,000. And if you don't, then I'm charging you storage shelf space for you to store them if you can't afford to buy them all. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes down to money, it can be hard. We all know this. Right. Some people are cool. Some people are really hard. I happen to be lucky enough to find somebody that was cool. So 
then I run into the brick wall of bringing it to the market. And then I went through this whole process of going back to the business development centers, whether they're town, county, or state-oriented. You got to use those people. Again, filter the help that you're getting. They're not going to run your product for you. You're going to run your product for you. You need to extract resources from these people, what you need. That was the mentality that I had learned to go in there. Is I need to go in there and extract what I need and not listen to, you know, superfluous information that might direct me into the brick wall. Right. And, uh, you should do this or you should do that kind of a thing. Go in there, get what you need, get out. You got to go in there and you got to know what you have to get right. from these people and right. go get it. And then be careful about the rest of it because there's always the proverbial brick wall that I, I, I say. You might hear me say it a lot, the brick wall. Okay, well... To me, you better be willing to blast your face against a brick wall to go through this. So you better be a little bit aggressive. You better be a little bit mean. You better be a little bit, um, well, let's just say a lot tough. Thick skin. not easy and ain't friendly. Got to be thick skinned to do stuff like this, folks. You got to be thick skinned. This is nutshell with that. You know. So, so, so decision two, I go, I go back to some of these community centers and I had a, I had a doctor that was going to do a pilot study and, and, um, that's very difficult. If you're going to do anything medical or scientifically oriented, you have to have pilot studies. And, and so I ran into a brick wall and I, I thought, Oh, I'll just go talk to investors. Well, <laughs> that is a very, very, uh, ugly, tough thing to do for the most part. Right. So I was rudely awoken to the fact that, you know, oh, well, we'll take 70% or we'll take 80%, just all these things. I'm like, that's a whole nother conversation. So in other words, the the investment thing didn't work out because here I am, some guy with a product that's never been seen before, never been used, never been proven. No investor is going to jump in with you. Right. So my my question- I don't care how nice you are. So were you seeking out the investments to do a case study, to have the money to do a case study on this? Or, I was trying to seek investment to ramp up uh, production, okay. build some inventory. Right. And then be able to go um, out and sell those to, which I'm assuming hospitals and doctors. And, and, and actually, the, the, let's kind of gear well, this the, toward The weird that thing is, about this, next, Adam, though? is, man, I, was, I had to go through discovery with this. This, this is going to end up a really great ending, but you got to be thick-skinned to find the find where it's going, man. Sometimes you don't know where you're going. You have your idea, you have your vision, you got a path, be open-minded along the way. Yeah, you got to be tough and you got to filter, but you have to be open-minded too. You have to be willing to field bad suggestions and bad ideas because there might be one tiny part of of 100% of information somebody may be giving you, 99 might be BS. Right. It might be worthless. But man, you got I hate to but say But that 1% might be something that takes you to the next that level might, that's that blocking you from where you need to go. might be a little jewel. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. Yeah. Now, there might be one thing they said that you can use. And so it, it can be tough to have to painfully listen to some people. But, you know, darn it, you got to listen. And, and it's tough. It ain't easy. So... So what happened next? So then, so then all my friends basically, I got out in 2000 and of course, you know, 9-11 and going to Afghanistan and then Iraq. 
all my friends that I served with were getting deployed. Okay. And so before they went to Iraq, I contacted the company commander and he invited me in and I sat with him and I said, look, I got this device here. My overall thought is it's going to help for calming because it's stimulating the sides of the head where there's all these acupressure points and the facial muscles. And I, I was having these facial muscle clenching issues is why I even took this journey trying to solve a problem for myself. And I know that I'm not alone. There's many other people that suffer from headaches and bruxism and TMD and these other facial muscle clenching or tension issues. So I sat with the commander and I, I brought him a, a device and it was 1.0. It was my first version. And I show him how to use it and put the tips on it and this and that. And he starts using it. And within seconds, he drops his head and he, he just sitting there on army cots in his office and he's using it. And I'm just kind of sitting back watching him. And he, and he pulls the thing off his head and he looks at it and he says, would you come to our pre-deployment family event? We're going to have DOD here. Um, we're going to have VA people here. We're going to have all kinds of resources to support uh, the family unit while the soldiers deployed. And I said, I'd be honored to be here. How many do you need? And he says, we got about 80 guys deploying. I said, well, then I'll be here with 100 units. So this thing in me clicked over from getting beat up by the real world of trying to get into retail space, trying to talk to investors, trying to push your product, trying to get it out to the market is tough. Right. You know, there's the process of getting a prototype and patenting is tough. Then there's the second mountain range that has an 80% failure rate. So I'm working on a 5% chance of this. And if you really want to get down to it, that 5% represents any and every possibility. So it could be software, it could be hardware, it could be physical, it could be a new tire, a belt, a bean. I mean, it could be anything. So mine happened to be going down the medical route. You go down medical, you got about a 1% chance. So I'm operating on the thread of a chance. And, I, and to get through that, I kept telling myself, dude, you, you serve, brother. And basically about 1% of our population serves in the military. And I'm stoked and grateful and proud and happy and glad that I served. I was able, I feel lucky I was able to serve. Right. And so I figured, you know what? I'm part of the 1%. Now this endeavor here and this entrepreneurship endeavor, I got 1%. I got this. I handled the 1% serving. This is 100% to me. So I had this attitude that I I built myself up with that I'm going to tackle this. You got to be politely aggressive, man. And you got to believe. And the only way you believe is if you dig deep after you work your day job and do that research and read your ass off. And you better read things that you don't want to read because that's where you find information. It's the same thing. You got to listen to people you don't want to listen to because you might hear one thing out of them. Read stuff you don't normally read. Right. And you might pull one little thing out of an article or a newspaper article or a magazine. So really, you have to open your mind up. So, right. so let me ask you my this: My friends Joe. were getting deployed. They, so so I, I went in and donated eighty units to those guys. And before the day was over, I saw soldiers walking around using my device. And that, to me, was a moment that I thought I have validity. 
I see people using my device. Yeah. Not only are these people using my device, they are service members. Right. They are the one percent. You remember what it and felt like when you see these? What, what it feel like when you saw these these soldiers using using walking around using the device? Man, it was it was relieving to say the least. Right. Because you know service members, and I know service members. We were service members. You operate within a military culture, right. and that is very fact-based driven culture. Right. So for me to come in with this zany looking forked thing that's different colors, <laughs> now I brought them all black, right? But I studied colors a little bit to find out, you know, what What's colors people are attracted to. So right. I kind of selectively chose these colors. So it was relieving and it felt great. And then it's also highly emotional because um, I'm, I'm in the commander's office and like I, I had finished handing them out and, and I gave a class, they had me speak. And, uh, this guy comes up to me and he says, um, he said, uh, do you have any other colors? And I said, yeah, what's going on? And he says, well, uh, if you don't have any colors, I'm going to, I'm sending this home. And I said, why are you sending it home? That's for you, brother. And he says, well, my daughter was in Iraq, and when there was a, an attack, a suicide bomber in a chow hall, she was injured from that. And she lives at home with us now, and she's medically retired because her left side was damaged so bad. Right. And now that I'm getting deployed, my wife has to take a second job. And my daughter lives with us. Yeah. And to get her to go to sleep at night to help her, we rub her temples. Oh, wow. And so I'm going to send this home to her because I think she needs it more than me. Wow. So, you know, that's powerful stuff, brother. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's at quite that a, quite moment, a, yeah. I knew. And I thought to myself, right now, Joe, you need to dig as deep as you possibly can and drive as hard as you've ever driven in your life right. to keep doing this. And there are times where I thought to myself, I'd rather go through army basic training. I'm 51 years old and I try to stay in, in good shape and just because I take pride in that. And I, I've thought to myself many times, I'd rather go through army basic training five times in a row nonstop to do what I'm doing now. Right. To ever try to be an entrepreneur again. And I, again, I'm not trying to discourage people and your listeners. I'm just telling you. It, it's, it's difficult. I've, I've said it before on, on the shows. Uh, you know, it's it's not an easy task, but if it's worth it, if you feel no. that it's worth it, 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 if you think it's worth it, then it, it it's totally going through the brut and the and the and the heartaches and the and the you know the the scrapes and bruises and whatnot. Joey, so I gave this guy. I, I had brought a couple of other different colored ones yeah. for pop up situations, right. and, For family members and caregivers, because I know from working with the veteran community for so long now that, in my opinion. The caregivers to the veterans that may have sustained injuries, right. whether they're invisible or physical, the caregivers are typically the loved ones of the family. Right. And so to me, the veterans caregivers are your new battle buddy, period. 
Oh yeah, they're right there. So to me, they're, they're in the trenches with you, just, you know, in a, in yeah. a figurative way because they're they're at home taking care of stuff. Joe, I want to do this. That's I want right. to I want to make sure we cover this. So those of you that are listening, again, uh, go to uh, www.templemassager.com. Joe, we got just a couple minutes left before we get we, okay. we let you go. So let me wrap up the phase here. So so I hear this guy asking me, and I I, I said, and he wanted to pay me. He insisted, and I said, I'm not taking your money, dude. The price has already been paid. And so, you know, um, shortly after that, uh, my supervisor was KIA in Iraq, Sergeant First Class Mike Audelini, combat engineer. And I went to Mike's funeral, and I saw a lot of friends of mine that were, you know, beat up and banged up. And it triggered a thing in me that when I was 20 years old in Army Reserve, um, a soldier drowned, Private Curtis Young. And I, I tried desperately to save him, and I could not save him. And uh, he was a 19-year-old kid from Oakland, California. And I apparently didn't process it correctly. And so, you know, um, I when I went to Mike's funeral, it triggered the loss of Curtis. And I went in the tailspin, man. And I was beating myself up. And I got fat, and I was doing bad things, and and... I thought to myself, you know what, dude, tap into what you feel when you give your product away. That makes me feel the best. And I got mad at the investors and the retail world and everybody that does this business. And I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm giving my product away to service members, veterans, and caregivers. And that's my mission. So I kept on doing it and giving it away and getting feedback and comments and letters. And like if people look on the letter, on the resources tab on the website, um, templemassager.com, you'll see a resources tab and letters. You see letters going back to 2007. I've been donating to Walter Reed. So we've donated 2,500 at this point in honor of Private Curtis Young, starting first class Michael Adelini, um, to serve those who serve and have served. And those two guys uh, were my wingmen when it was tough and ugly and there was nobody there. I kept driving forward with their memory on my mind at all times. And hearing that guy ask me about his daughter using my device, I gave him another one. And, uh, you know, little things like that. If you can get that far in your endeavor, you'll see things pop up that, that solidify in your mind what you're doing is right. So fast forwarding to today, the, the third and final thing, I was taking some advice from a business advisor. Uh-huh. And I had a pilot study fall through, and one of these advisors, believe it or not, was a representative for Bayer Pharmaceuticals. She flies to Germany every quarter to sit on the board of Bayer Pharmaceuticals. Oh, wow. I remember this patent or this pilot uh, study fell apart. And I remember this lady telling me, oh, Joe, maybe you shouldn't build your new Temple Massager 2.0. You know, maybe you should think about that. And I thought to myself, you're an advisor, and you're telling me to fold my tent because of a little adversity? This is where the military culture embracing yeah. helped me ride through that. Right. And I drove past her and past that, and I actually fired him. And uh, I went in there one day, and I started realizing, you know what? Every time I talk to you guys and pay you for advice, you're basically regurgitating what I told you when I first sat down. Right. So I went in there after that comment, and I said, you know what? We're changing things today. You're going to tell me something I don't know. And they had nothing to say. And I said, we're done. Goodbye. So I made that third and final fateful decision to make 
Temple Massager 2.0 and recommit money and, and took on some investors that were friends. And just last week, I had to make a, another change, an engineering change. We made an engineering change and materials change. And the Temple Massager you're looking at on, on the website, templemassage.com, is our 3.0 version. I only have a black and a blue available right now. Okay. But I borrowed from weapon-grade technology. What? And those new Temple Massagers are made of ballistic nylon. Get out of here. That's what they make the pistol grips and hand guards for on M16s and M4s. Temple Massager 3.0 is badass. I'm proud of it. It's functioning. It's 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 solved some issues I had, you know. And that's more. That just goes to show you have to constantly keep thinking, engineering, innovating. Um, we got a lot of different innovation that's kind of bottlenecked because I still don't have an investor. Um, but. One thing before we, we got to go so, here. Hey, listen, real, your, real quick. Uh, if you're an investor listening to this, Joe's looking. That's <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I mean, if you want to yeah. talk to me with respect, dignity, and honor, um, I'd love to talk to an investor. Awesome. Uh, and so when you talk to investors, folks, you know what? They're not easy to talk to. They're there to burn you and make money off you. But the stronger you are and the further you prove your product – the less risk they are going to have. So don't ever let them tell you you're full of risk when you know your spot. Always get cross-checked. Basic land navigation. You have to know where you are in order to get to oh, where you yeah. need to go. Hold, hold your ground. You have to know where you are. Hold, so yeah. I, I wanted to break a little news with you here, oh, Adam. Breaking news. Okay, hold, let me, hold on a second here. We got breaking news, folks. This is breaking news. All right, let's go for it. What do you got, Joe? Okay, so 10 years of donating 2,500 units to my brothers and sisters that serve and have served. I've struggled to get uh, academic medical scrutiny, in other words, a pilot study. So I collected data that people would kindly, generously offer. When I give products away, I never ask for anything. If I never hear from you again, I hope the product serves you well, and we're done. And I did my committed uh, duty to Curtis and Mike. But if you were kind and you offer me feedback, which a lot of people did, that's called anecdotal data. Well, I had to fight to get a pilot study. That's the next step in proving something scientifically or medically. So just last Friday, after six months of working with a Dr. Gerald Nisley in Texas, East Texas Baptist University, he's a psych D, he wrote to me and he said he's done collecting the data and it appears we have a positive pilot study, pretty strong indication that the device is causing effect and we're looking at calming by triggering the relaxation response through the tactile stimulation of the device. And so we have a positive pilot study inbound, and that's the breaking news. After 20 years, 10 years of giving it away, fighting, mad, and persevering, I'm getting a positive pilot study, and it gets better. I was invited to submit an abstract to the Defense and Veterans Brain Injury Center at Palo Alto, California, VA. Okay. And I presented that last Friday, and the director basically uh, told me, uh, we want to invite you back in and talk clinical. So in one month's time, wow. this is the good part of being an entrepreneur. This is the reward. Yep. So it's paying in off. one month's time, I got 3.0 out, ballistic nylon, badass healing. I got a positive pilot study, and I was invited in to present for clinical with DOD and VA. Congratulations, Joe. So That's I, awesome, man. I go back in June 9th. And then on top of that, 
I got invited and invited to present my abstract and data at Stanford University Neuroscience Forum in June, and I will be there. Oh, wow. And I'm proud to be a veteran, and I'm proud that all my brothers and sisters benefited from the product and cared enough to tell me about it, and, now, and that's where we are today. Joe, real quick, last thing before we let you go. Actually, two things, real quick. So those that are listening to the show, go to templemassager.com. If they're there and they see this, is this a product that they can order themselves online? You can order it yourself online. There's no prescription uh, necessary. It, it's very simple. It works because it relieves you, the user, from holding up your arms, shoulders, and hands to relax your facial muscles. The facial muscles are pretty small compared to your forearm, your, your humerus bone, your hand, your shoulders, your neck. So I realize this is kind of the inception of the idea. I realize that when I'm holding up my arms and hands, I'm right. engaging about 400 times the musculature than what I'm trying to relax. So it's grossly inefficient. It feels good for a little bit, but you're not going to hold your arms and hands up very long. No, you start so the tool point, relieves yeah. you of holding up your arms and hands. And it delivers acupressure because there's 21 acupressure points in the side of the head. It delivers aromatherapy. It comes with organic lavender. <sighs> and then the tactile muscle stimulation is what the doctors think might be triggering the relaxation response, which triggers the brain to producing dopamine and endorphins. Folks, you got to so check. I've it. donated to Walter. You got to check I've it out. I've donated to Walter Reed. Walter Reed uh, for ten years. I have a letter from Walter Reed in 2007. I got a thank you letter from 2017. They use it behavioral health for calming, drug-free calming. That is something else. TempleMassager.com, folks. Make sure you check it out. Joe, appreciate you coming hey, and, on. And today, you know what? Man. And if anybody, if you're if you're a veteran or even just anybody. You want to give me a call? No problem, man. I, I like talking to people to inspire them, to help them. Um, I know there's people that turned around to help me. So if anybody wants to send me an email, it's joe at templemassager.com. Be happy to pick up the phone. Uh, contact me on the email, and, and I'll give you a phone number. I'd be happy to talk with you for a brief bit and advise you to the best I can, and hopefully I can give you some guidance in chasing your dream. I'd be happy to do that. That is awesome. Joe, we appreciate you, buddy. Adam, thanks so much for the opportunity to be on your great show, and, and um, I know we'll be talking again soon. you darn right we will. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Joe Mesh, founder, creator of Temple Massager. Go to templemassager.com. you got to check these things out. The ballistic side of things that he's just using for the Temple Massager 3.0 is awesome. And it's not going to be the last time you hear of Joe. Um, you're going to be seeing him uh, here more so in the public's eye. Uh, here in the next several weeks, and we'll have him back on to do a follow-up here uh, within the next 60 days. That you can be sure of. Uh, that's all the time I got today, folks. Before we let you go, again, check out Temple Massager. Go to templemassager.com. Get a hold of Joe if you got questions. Uh, pick one up for yourself or maybe a loved one. Uh, and uh, again, like I said, that's all the time we have today. I want to give, again, big shout out to uh, Heroes Media Group their sponsors, all the people that are involved that network there uh, has got so many great people uh, that are part of it, we're just one big happy family, sounds cliche but it's actually true, we love working with these people over at heroesmediagroup.com so check them out, check out the sponsors and the people that support us uh, simply go to www.heroesmediagroup.com until next time folks thanks, you've been listening to The Decision Hour 